0: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode 11 of two nerds in a pod 11 that's one one uh the nerdiest podcast in the galaxy nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy i'm Mom, also known as mr nice guy we have my good friend with here known as mac Shim. mac how are you doing my friend
1: i'm doing pretty darn well mr nice guy how are you doing today
0: Man, you know, I have no complaints whatsoever. Life life is a 10 out of 10. Even though this is episode 11, I would say life is a 10 out of 10, man. Um, week has been good, man, just doing a ton of stand-up. Uh, I cut back on the streaming on my personal channel.
1: Yeah, I saw your tweet about that.
0: Yeah, man. And, you know, I've been streaming for a long time, uh, and I still love streaming. Obviously, we're doing it here live for this podcast. But, uh, you know, stand-up is really my first love, my first non-human mm-hmm. love. Uh, in case my wife listens to this later, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I've, I've been putting more effort into hitting the stages, you know, getting up as much as I can, just, uh, just trying to, trying to focus on that since that's really why we moved to the Chicago area in part is to, to pursue that. So it's been going really well. Uh, the more you get up, the more you can develop material quickly. Who would have thought the more jokes you could churn out, the more stage time you get. So, uh, that's what life has been about for me. What, what have you been up to this week? Oh man, what have I been up to? Well, it's been
1: uh, it's been an exciting but crazy week. Um, I, I a lot of things have gone well. Um, a lot of stuff has gone really well that I didn't expect. Um, nothing I'd care to comment on specifically. Okay, although okay. I did have a brush with uh, a brush with insanity earlier today at the post office. Uh oh. It was my day off, so I went in to take in some packages. I had a, a bundle of international packages to send. I wound up spending 150 dollars in international shipping for something like uh, uh, I guess it would have been about 10 international packages. so wow you know, wait, How
0: much 100? 100...
1: About 150
0: dollars. Oh, okay, so that, that is a lot. Uh, yeah, about 15 per package to go international yep pretty that's much a lot of money though don't get me wrong that's that's a lot it this, is now was this uh was this like pearlers and things that people had won from your giveaways
1: it was indeed pearlers and things um so it you know so i mean that it's it's just part of uh part of doing those giveaways of course but you know hey uh uh it, I might, not, I, might, I might next time limit it just to domestic instead of international, though, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> there you go. But, dude, here's the thing that's cool about that. It shows that you have a worldwide audience that you're shipping that much stuff domestically. You have, a, you have people listening to you all over the world, uh, and the fact that they're the ones who are winning just shows that your audience is really diverse as far as where they live. So that's sweet. That's, that's a bonus.
1: Indeed. Silver lining, indeed. Cool. But, yeah. Nice. So, uh, so that's been my week
0: dude that's sweet well you know we can keep the the updates uh short this week i'm gonna go ahead and get this tweet ready to go for those of you guys just tuning in this is our podcast we do this every tuesday 9 p.m we're a couple minutes early today uh and you know as soon as i get done typing up this tweet right here we will uh we'll go ahead and get into the news mac what do you think Shall we hop into the gaming news oh i think so mr nice guy I think so, too. Uh, Let's start with uh, some news involving one of my favorite games, probably of all time, definitely of 2016, definitely my go-to game right now. Uh, It's Overwatch, and this is on Game Rant. It says the holiday event will launch next week. Good news for all the Overwatch fans out there, as the game's holiday event is likely to launch on December 13th, bringing with it a range of new ways to play and some Christmas-themed skins. Blizzard's latest first-person shooter... And that's interesting because I think it's actually Blizzard's first-person shooter, so it's interesting they phrased it that way. Anyway, uh, their latest first-person shooter, Overwatch, is the gift that keeps on giving as the game's official Twitter account hosts a very special message for the title's players in the form of A short animation, the Overwatch developer invites players to join a special event hosted in-game, which launches, we already know, on the 13th of December. Uh, The invite also shows a holiday-themed version of British map King's Row, confirming that the Datamind Christmas update will be bringing with it some changes to the game's maps. It is likely, however, that, as with the Halloween event, only select maps will see the changes occur, while the rest remain the same as ever. So, uh, for those of you guys who are nerds like me and really loving this Overwatch thing, Uh, you get, you get some new skins, you know, you get some, some alterations of the existing maps and who knows, they may have some other surprises. You know, I feel like Blizzard with this game is showing how you run a game after launch. First of all, they launched it to near perfection. Uh, And then they keep giving us more and more content, they give us seasonal content, they give us additional maps that are free so they don't um, segment the community for those who may not want to pay for new content or don't have the money and then can't play on the same maps with their friends. Uh, This game, I I feel like it, it really is a 10 out of 10, and I'm really enjoying it. Now... Mac, are you a skins guy? Like, I know you're not really, you're not. You're shaking your head no. It's not your thing?
1: There is one thing that I've ever done a custom skin for, and that was uh, my character in Minecraft. That was it.
0: Really? Okay. What what was the skin? Was it like a Batman thing? Was it a... uh... No, no.
1: It was just
0: me. It was just you. Um,
1: actually, there was a there was a, a I, I did two. One was just me, and then the other was uh, little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. But I did that myself, so um, you know. So yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, that's, so you're not you're not one it. to go in games and collect skins or do challenges no. to collect no. skins. Okay, fair I, enough.
1: If, if there's a trophy, if there's an achievement involved, I might consider going for it. But if it's any t- sort of collectible other than that. Don't want anything to do with it. That's just not my
0: thing. Not your thing. No, it's not for everybody, and that's understandable. Uh, Well, here's something that's also not for everybody and has recently become illegal. Uh, This is on Game Informer. It's about hacking in another country. It says, a report from PVP Live offers some hope for both game companies and game players, frustrated by the proliferation of programs that hack a game with aimbots, scripts, and other programs that interfere with the game's normal functionality. The rules come through an amendment to an existing law that aims to promote the game industry in South Korea. Now, real quick, was this going to be your legalese? Nope. Perfect. We don't like to have overlap. Uh, The the article goes on to say, The report indicates that those who break this new law could face five years of jail time or as much as $43,000 in fines. The new South Korean law comes amid the use of numerous cheating and hacking problems for games in South Korea, Particularly notable in games like Overwatch, the legal re- repercussions for hackers may also have positive effects for other players around the world, particularly in places where Korean characters or excuse me Korean cheaters are using a VPN to play on servers in other countries. Mac, what do you think, man? Uh, is this the government 's place uh, to to step in and and make hacking in games illegal? What are your thoughts, man uh, you know <sighs> I, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, there are some things that, of course, we don't want. I mean, okay, let's put it this way: um, there are some types of hacking that can have really detrimental effects um, to other people. You know, um, involving people who didn't want to be a party to the hacking. I mean, just the na- just the word hacking denotes. You know, it has this con denote. No, that's den has this uh, has this uh, connotation that you were doing something to somebody else. You know sure. what I mean? Who didn't agree to be a part of it. Right. Um, and, uh, and of course, I feel a little bit like if nobody's really hurt, I don't see it as too big of a deal. But uh, like, for example, if hacking results in uh, people's, I don't know, rankings going down, that's, that's hurt. That's some damage. That should be, that should be problematic. That should be bannable at the very least. Um, do I think governments really need to get involved with hacking in video games? Not really. I feel like just the sort of ban hammer that uh, that a company has on on their side if they catch you hacking is, you know, probably ought to be enough, but uh, but uh, I don't know. It seems it seems to me like it's a little overbearing. But that's just me. Yeah,
0: you know, I I would tend to agree, you know, cuz once this happens, then you know, they can say, you know, video games are causing violence, so you need to take a psychological evaluation before you play certain games. You know, once once the government can make one rule about a game and, and people accept that they have that authority, then um, effectively they can do it about anything. Now, granted, did they really make this rule? I don't know. Hacking is probably just illegal, period, um, in South Korea. And, you know, in their defense, I get where they're coming from with this. Uh, I believe that probably South Korea's economy uh, profits a lot more from ge- the games industry than potentially the American economy. I don't know. But I do know that in South Korea that League of Legends is extremely, extremely popular. I know people who have lived in South Korea for a couple years, and they said that they would start conversations with people by saying, so what's your favorite character in League of Legends? Like it's that universally accepted um that, that the game is just commonplace. So, you know, if, if the eSports scene, and, and by the way, all the League of Legends pro teams, at least the very best ones, are generally South Korean players. Um, on many of the MOBA games, this is the case. So, you know, if they're bringing in that much income for the government, stimulating the economy that much, I could see the government having an interest in stopping hacking, but I couldn't really see them making a law... Um, like this i'm kind of with you that i think they're overstepping their bounds a little bit uh yeah that's that's you know that's what i think so um but anyway that's just one story let's keep things moving welcome to the stream those of you who are slowly filtering in it's good to have you here galvatron is telling us about his awesome psx experience and you know i'm jealous uh and and we'll have to chat more on twitter later galvatron Uh, There's another hacking story. This deals with the Nintendo 3DS. This is on BGR.com. It says, Nintendo's handheld game systems have long had an issue with piracy and hacking, and now the company is finally going to do something about it. In partnership with bug-busting platform HackerOne, Nintendo is launching an extremely thorough bug bounty program to find and fix as many vulnerabilities as it possibly can. The program, which is accepting bugs on the Nintendo 3DS console exclusively, offers a minimum bounty of $100 for verified bugs and a maximum bounty of $20,000. According to the official bounty posting, Nintendo is seeking out vulnerabilities related to the following. Piracy, including game application dumping, copied game application execution, cheating, including game application modification, and save data modification. Um, Dissemination of inappropriate content to children. And then also vulnerabilities uh, as far as... uh, just just hacking it, you know, putting uh, your homebrewed console software and things like that on there, as well as hardware vulnerabilities like low-cost cloning. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think this is something I wouldn't have expected from Nintendo, but I'm glad to see. I'm kind of cool with seeing it happening. What do you think, man?
1: Um, well, frankly, Nintendo, of course, as we know and have talked about a lot, seems to have difficulties um, – taking advantage of the people who want to uh, participate and so it's kind of cool to see because at least uh, I think I agree with you I think it's kind of cool to see because it's like hey Nintendo's finally I don't know maybe encouraging other people to be a part of the process you know it it feels like even if it's just for, for hacking or whatever it's kind of cool to see them um, engaging their fan base in a way other than just issuing takedown requests and uh, and and copyright claims.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's effectively they're they're saying, hey, do the work for us and we'll pay you. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it, you know, I I don't have any problem with that. I guess I I'm, I kind of have a problem with the fact that they say we'll pay you between one hundred and twenty thousand dollars based on what you. I mean, that's so subjective. Like, mm-hmm. they, they could just pay everyone $100 no matter what information they bring them. And really, it's smart by Nintendo because if you think about the salary that it would it would cost to bring on an employee, give them benefits, and say, hey, I need you to analyze the 3DS and figure out all the things that people could possibly do to hack it, they'd probably be paying them more than $20,000 to do that. So I think this is a great idea by Nintendo. Um, I don't really get any joy or any extra entertainment out of having the 3DS be unhackable. I'm not one who puts hacking software on it. Um, But them improving this doesn't affect me. But I like to see that they're kind of embracing the community, like you said. Well, guys, let's get into the really interesting stuff, the meat of our news this week. Uh, Let's talk about PlayStation Experience 16. Now, we have our boy Galvatron in the chat. And Galvatron, I want to know what you thought was the coolest announcement. Let me know in the chat. Uh, of the things that you witnessed while you were at PSX in person while the rest of us were working and, and taking care of responsibilities. Well, I'm jealous of you is what I'm trying to say, Galvatron, so let me know what was the coolest thing. In the meantime, here's some of the things that were revealed at the PlayStation Experience this year. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Uh, they're essentially going to remaster uh, <laughs> all three or three of the original trash Crash Bandicoot games. Now, Mac, isn't Mrs. the Mac a huge fan?
1: She is
0: a huge fan a of crash the crash movie. series. Yeah. Now I know you're not a console guy, uh, but she may she may pull your leg and make you make you pick one up so that she can play this game. You never know.
1: Well, I guess if uh, I guess if I have to get a PS4, then at least I'll be able to
0: play Last of Us 2. That's right. And and you would be able to play He jumped the gun there, but that's okay. I'm cool with that. <laughs> and you'd be able to play the original too because the remastered mm-hmm. version is on the PlayStation 4. Um, additional games that were announced, PlayStation, excuse me, Wipeout Omega Collection. Uh, and here's a huge one too, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Capcom Infinite, is coming in 2017. Now, I was a huge fan of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on the PlayStation 2, I believe it was. Um, and so it's exciting to see the con- the, the franchise coming back and them not putting another number behind it. I think they have learned from the mistakes of Street Fighter, uh, in, in making it the the name Infinite. Uh, of course, if you guys uh, don't live under a rock, you do know that Sony announced The Last of Us 2 and that Joel and Ellie will be returning as the main characters. Now, there's already a lot of fan theories about the trailer. Um, and, and this isn't a spoiler because this is speculation that's out there and it hasn't been confirmed or anything. Uh, people think that Joel may be dead <laughs> and that Go- that Ellie is just seeing his ghost um and so you know I think it's too early to be coming out with these types of theories. I don't think there's really any substantiating evidence or any excuse me, any evidence to substantiate that theory in the trailer. Uh but regardless, who cares? One of the greatest games of all time is getting a sequel. Uh it's having the two main characters return and I'm excited for it. Uh now Mac, as someone I know you didn't play the game, um but I know you're aware of its influence. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you think man do you do you, and I, here's the thing I know that you know how the game ended the first game um do you think if you're naughty dog are you putting two new characters or are you picking up where it left off what do you think man naughty um, dog picking they, no, up naughty where Dog's yeah oh yeah yeah company? no 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 yeah, yeah.
1: they also consequently were responsible for the crash series just that's throwing right. that yeah, out there
0: yeah that's right you're schooling me yeah um
1: <laughs> uh but uh pick up where it left off you I mean yeah yeah I'd pick up where it left off I do know how last of us uh last of us ends just because uh last of us part one ends mostly because a good friend of mine big big into last of us and uh you know I I had to I had to beef up so that I could chat about it
0: yeah dude it's a great great game it's one of the best of all time in my top five um now, the only thing that I think people are worried about is whether or not they can, can, you know, duplicate the success that they had with the first game. Not in sales or anything, but just in how good the game is. We will see. Uh, NAC 2 was announced as well, um, you know, as were several other games. Uncharted standalone DLC uh, is announced with two characters not including Nathan Drake, so that's super exciting. And, you know, a lot of other awesome stuff. A lot of indies, uh, a lot of really cool stuff came out of PlayStation Experience. Moving on, we'll we'll do this as our last news story because I know we have a lot of other stuff to cover. The Game Awards were last week. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to take a minute just to kind of go over um, some of the games that won and what, what categories they won in, some of the most notables. So, you guys, this is on Polygon. Game of the Year, winner was Overwatch by Blizzard. No surprise there. That's my Game of the Year. Beat out Titanfall 2, beat out Inside, beat out Doom, and beat out Uncharted 4. Uh, all great games. I, I I knew Overwatch or Uncharted was going to win, and I'm happy that uh, that Overwatch won. Best Game Direction, also Overwatch. Best Narrative, Uncharted 4, Thief's End. Of course, it's one of the best storytelling games of the year. Uh, best Art Direction was Inside, a game I haven't played, but made by the people who made Limbo, Play Dead. Play Dead. Best music was Doom. Best performance was Nolan North as Nathan Drake in Uncharted 4, of course. Um, just, you know, skipping around to some of the other uh, notable stuff. Best independent game was Inside. Best mobile handheld was Pokemon Go and Mac. Best mm-hmm. family game was also Pokemon Go. Who would have thought? I would not, most certainly not have
1: thought of that because <laughs> when you think of family game, I mean, I just throw out the word... What's a family game? Um, even though it tears family families apart, Monopoly.
0: Monopoly, yeah.
1: That's the first game that comes to mind, even though we can all agree that it probably tears families apart more than brings them together. It does. But it's a game that has to be played and tends to be played as a family. That's right. I can't think of a family that Pokemon goes together, stays together, you know? The Pokemon goes together.
0: That, yeah, uh, I, I can't either.
1: Uh, so, I I have to admit, I'm a little surprised by Pokemon Go being the family, you know, the best family game, because well, it really doesn't strike yeah. me. I mean, there's, sure, there's, like, some interaction between people, but it's, uh... uh, uh but really, it's it's not... Yeah, I just I just don't think it's a family game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's I, a weird characterization.
0: I agree, but when you have to when you look at the other crap that it was up against, I guess I guess it won. Um, you know, it was up against Lego Star Wars, Dragon Quest Builders, Ratchet and Clank and Sky Not that these are all crappy games, but Skylander's Imaginators. Uh, which a lot of these games are just games. They're not family games either. So I guess Pokemon Go won. Here's the thing though. Pokemon Go is just one person holding a phone. How do you, like, does the whole family follow that person to go get Pokemon? I don't get it. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it just seems a little odd. Yeah, it it is. Uh, And by the way, best multiplayer, guys, was Overwatch as well. Now, here's something interesting. Most anticipated game was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild by Nintendo. Beating out Red Dead Redemption, beating out Mass Effect, beating out Horizon Zero Dawn, and beating out God of War. I would have thought Red Dead Redemption would have won, um but it is what it is. So
1: Well, hang on. I will just say we have an award for the a game that the most people are expecting to come out next year, but we give the award this year.
0: That's yeah, that's for most anticipated game. That's for that specific category. Yeah, I don't that's, even know
1: That's a little strange bit of a category.
0: Did they take votes? I know. How would they even I, know what the most God anticipated? God. Now, here I guess to be fair, Breath of the Wild comes out in March, I believe, is a launch title with the Switch. But,
1: March. Hang on, hang on, just a second. What what year does it come out in, Mister Nice Guy? Next, twenty twenty
0: six. No, twenty seventeen. Yeah, most anticipated.
1: Uh, no wonder we should be giving it an award in twenty sixteen.
0: <laughs> Mac with the sarcasm, y'all. <laughs> uh, I need to pull up that uh, you know the prices. Right, that sound effect when you would guess wrong, and it'd be like dah, 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 dah. <laughs> that's that's what would describe that. Uh, but anyway, that's our that's our news for the week. Uh, and we'll keep things moving with our next segment for Mac.
1: Yes, indeed, our next segment is gaming history. So once again, we come to the point in the show, for all of those you who are here live, or those of you who are listening to the podcast on iTunes, we come to the segment where we talk a little bit about this past week in years past, That's and right. what kind of games that have come out, some of which have shaped very much where we are today, and others... We just kind of mentioned because I love them so much. (laughs) And I'm going to start back in 1990 with a little title released for the Nintendo Entertainment System called Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland.
0: Oh, I vaguely remember it. Now,
1: Little Nemo was a really, it, it was a hard game, especially when you start getting, uh, when you start getting to like the later levels of little Nemo, among other things, it had a bunch of really weird mechanics that really stuck with me as a kid, like throwing bubblegum candy at uh, you know at at, at uh, certain animals, and those animals would then fall asleep. At which point you could don their skin and uh, and go around the world having new platforming flights and other control options open up to you. It was really kind of bizarre, but hey, whatever it takes to get to the Nightmare King and take him out. Um, but definitely a very strange strange game. It also, uh, there was also a, related to that project, there was a movie made that went through like four different directors and Miyazaki said it was the worst experience of his life working on that. Uh, wow. Working on that um, that thing, and you apparently had like times where the soundtrack people were making sound were like thinking that they were making the soundtrack to the art, you know, to like the the art, and the other people thought they were doing stuff to the script, and I mean, it was apparently just a big old cluster of craziness. Huh. So yeah any anyway, the game came out in the uh, in the nineteen uh, in 1990 this past week, and um, I, I think more than anything else, it's that one game that I would always put into the Nintendo when I went to go visit my cousins. and it was that one game that I like never got much farther past the third level, but I always try. And the yeah. music was great. music was fantastic.
0: Dude, I know it vaguely, but I don't think I ever played it, so now I've got to play it. I have got yeah. to play it.
1: Well, now you've got that, uh, you've got that arcade. Raspberry so.
0: Pi, Raspberry Pi computer. I'm going to do it tonight. No reason not to, sir. But, uh, but
1: be warned. Be warned. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's Little Nemo. We also had another brilliant one come out in the same year, 1990, for PC it's called Commander Keen. Of course. Yes, indeed, sir. On the pogo and stick. That's right. You got the pogo stick. You got the bl- the pan. I no, no, no. You got the blaster. The beans with bacon mega rocket. So, um, so in 1990, there was released Commander Keen, and the first. Uh, the first episode, there were three episodes in, uh, in the release, and the first episode was released as shareware, which is why so many of us have probably played the first game, which was called Marooned on Mars. Now, the Mac, other two... Mac,
0: these young kids don't know what shareware is. You might want to break oh, that down for them. No worries. That's
1: a good point. So shareware was the idea that you would release the first segment of the game for free, and then you would essentially hit a paywall. Um, except for you didn't unlock the uh, the game, because that first episode, that shareware bit, was the only thing that was there, and you were actively encouraged to share it with your friends. But at the end of it, it would say, What's going to happen to our heroes next time? Tune in, but be sure to send your self-addressed stamped envelope complete with $13 to Apogee Entertainment LLC so that you can order episodes 2 and 3 of Commander Keen That was
0: spot on that impression was spot on
1: Mac Thank you Mr. Nice Guy I've been practicing Um so uh, uh so anyway you would send in uh you would hit that that end and the shareware was for actively to be shared and then the subsequent episodes you were supposed to send money in and and get them back so it was basically like uh like a demo yeah uh, like yeah. a demo disc that was supposed to be passed around and so um and so that is what you're talking about with shareware and with commander keen well so that was released by apogee uh, uh by apogee software it is noteworthy that uh, one of the uh leads on the commander keen games um went on to be basically one of the big driving forces in id software with uh, Doom, Wolfenstein 3D, and Quake. Um, So in the... uh, So even though Commander Keen doesn't have any direct relevance in first-person shooters, it's the same people... A lot of the same people who worked and made the Commander Keen series were actually responsible as well for what we know as the whole FPS genre as Mm. well. So... So yeah, so that's fun. And then the third item from our uh, little bit about little trip down memory lane and gaming history that I want to talk about happens to be the Knights of the Old Republic, specifically Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, Ooh. Which, uh, which came out last week in 2004. Now, the Xbox released is the date that I went off of because, you know, I had the original Xbox. But Knights of the Old Republic 2, um, for those of you who uh, who have played it, was mechanically was mechanically an improvement over Knights of the Old Republic 1. Um, it had a lot less bugs, a lot more things were uh, were worked out and fleshed out, and there were some more things where in in the first one, in the first Knights of the Old Republic series, you couldn't actually. Uh, change the alignment of the characters who were with you, but in this one you could. Your actions, your conversations with them could actually move them from the light side to the dark side of the force and, uh, and stuff like that. So definitely really cool. Now, just my personal opinion, um, I uh, <laughs> I prefer the story from Knights of the Old Republic 1 in almost every way. But Knights of the Old Republic 2 definitely a strong excellent series. It wasn't the first to do uh, to do the to do that sort of pull on and non-playable characters where you could change their attitudes and their, you know, and their approaches to things by the decisions you make, but it was one of the ones that probably I think did it the best. Mm in the past. So um, that's what we have for gaming history. Just remember this last week, beginning of December, Little Nemo, Commander Keen, and Knights of the Old Republic 2, all solid games for all completely different reasons, and some of which have had a great impact on gaming today.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and Commander Keen, such a great, great game. One of those one-hit-and-you-die type of games, one of those frustrating games. One uh, of those amazing type games, you mean. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's hard when you're a kid to 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 have one hit and you die type games. You, you're you with me, Mac. You're trolling. Um. All right. Well, that said, it's time to move on to our viewer question of the week. And this week we have two questions, so we're going to have double the fun. Our first question comes from my man Luis, also known as Super Kinky Man. He says, what should a game's lifespan be to consider it a successful game? Now we had a little back on forth on Twitter today and someone asked him this uh, clarifying question. It was Galvatron actually. He said, Lifespan as in campaign length or overall viability, AKA World of Warcraft. And you know, super kinky man came back and clarified the question. He said, I mean the player base being healthy and active. So Mac, I know you're not a multiplayer guy, but I'll, I'll still—you can tackle this. Uh yeah. What should a game's lifespan be to consider it a successful game in relation to the player base being healthy and active?
1: Um, well, I, I'm going to start by saying that uh, that I feel like the health of a game, like like if a game's successful, I feel like the uh, the game company. Ought to plan to support it for no less than five years okay. um i I just say that because there are some games, especially in this era of online only where it's dependent on a server where there are games that are like less than a year old where the company has shuttered has turned off its servers and the game is now dead yeah uh, so so yeah i i I will say that regardless of what what the type of uh, success I I hope every game maker out there plans to support, fully support a game that's online, multiplayer, you know, things like that for a minimum of five years. Uh, But that being said, I feel like a healthy user base um, for it to be a success ought to be probably at least at minimum of a year of healthy user base on your game for it to be a success like that.
0: That's great. That's a great answer. You know, I agree. I I'm going to say I'm going to agree with you on the five year mark. Um, I'm going to say three to five years. And here's the reason why. If a game is made and it's doing well, generally speaking, the developer is going to make a sequel. Not always, but a lot of the time. And usually the sequel to a game will come out in three to five years, Um, if not sooner. If it's not an annual title like a sports game or a Call of Duty, I'd say three to five years is the mark. Now, if the player base will stick with the previous iteration of the game beyond the time that the sequel comes out, to me, that's a successful game. That's saying, hey, you made Battlefield uh, Bad Company 2. Now Battlefield 3 has come out, and people are still playing Battlefield Bad Company 2, and because there's such a large viewer base, you're still forced to support that old game. To me, that's a sign of a successful game. Um, The fact that despite better graphics on the new game, despite new content on the new game, people are still wanting to go play the old one and put it in their console. Um, To me, that's a successful game uh, as far as player base. Mm. So and then, you know, additionally, I'll go ahead and say that if if a game has enough of a player base that a developer has to keep making DLC to support that player base when maybe they didn't plan to. To me, that's a successful game. Uh, one of my biggest disappointments in gaming was Splinter Cell Blacklist. Uh, I, I love Splinter Cell, but they didn't ever release any story DLC. They didn't ever release new weapons. They didn't release anything uh, because the player base wasn't where it needed to be. So it just goes to show that the number of copies that are sold for a game really can affect the amount of support that it gets. That's a great question. From Super Kinky Man. Now, I want to read a couple of the the things that people are saying in the chat. Moocher, maybe we'll save that question for next week that you just posted. Um, But someone brings up Team Fortress 2, and that was the game that initially came to my mind. Moocher says, Team Fortress 2 has been successful for years and years, but Valve has screwed it up in recent years with money-hungry and poor customer service. See, and I don't play it anymore, so I don't know, but I do think it's a good example of a game that has been successful for a really long time. Uh, people still play Orange Box on 360, and people still play it on PC, obviously, because it's free to play. Uh, Evolve is not a good game. That's a game that was a bad example uh, of, of player support. But anyway, guys, moving on. We have one more viewer question, Mac. Mm-hmm. This is from Galvatron. Uh, he says, if Nintendo were to go third party, would Mario, Zelda, Metroid, Pokemon, etc. sell well on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One? That's a um. question.
1: Yeah, well, so I don't think that uh, I don't think that Pokemon would do uh, especially well on a console. Um, of course, at its heart, Pokemon has always been a, a portable game, um, and I think a lot of what Pokemon is, you know, plays into that. Of course, to be fair, I kind of hopped out of Pokemon on around Gold and Silver, so it's possible that it is a lot. That the uh, that the intellectual property is a lot better fit for consoles than it is now, but that's just me kind of picking nits. I think that it would uh, that if they offered Mario, Zelda, if they offered these big franchises um, on other systems, that they would do very well. They would sell very well because there's nobody who doesn't want to play those games. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all very well done however we know exactly why they will never do that because those are the those are the hooks that's the that's the fishing line that that's the hook that they cast out to reel in those people to come and get their switch to come and get their Wii, to come and get their Wii you to come and get it all and then when they've got you when they've got you on the hook they scoop you up with that with that dang net and then you know then it's then it's all done
0: and you're locked in. Max making it sound like Nintendo are drug dealers. <laughs> no, not at all. They're
1: supposed to sound like they're fishermen.
0: No, oh, okay, I gotcha. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and, you know, I'm with you. I think no one is buying a Nintendo console for the technology other than maybe like the Wii and the 3DS is unique in what it does. But for the most part, Nintendo's hardware is a little bit behind where everyone else is. So the games are the one thing that they have that's exclusive to them. That bring people in. Now that said, if they were made available on another console, I think the only way Nintendo would ever do that would be if they said, "Guys, we can't make hardware anymore. We we just can't do it." Uh, and then they effectively said, "Let's uh, let's let's sell the IP so that it lives on, and so that we can get some money and and just cut our losses." Now Nintendo did own um, or did have Rare as a studio that I believe they owned back in the the mid 90s and and then they lost the rights to rare and so they like they don't make certain games anymore um like like goldeneye is no longer really made or the the bond games are no longer really made um at least not with the same pierce brosnan likeness and things like that and they went to microsoft microsoft bought rare and you know microsoft never really took advantage of some of the uh the ips that were part of that company that they now own the rights to so now, were any of those IPs as big as Mario and Zelda and Metroid? No. Um, but it makes me wonder what another company would do if given access to Mario. Uh, what another de- developer would do. Would it be as good? Would it be as successful? I don't know. I think they'd sell well initially, but ultimately, I think that the mines at Nintendo are part of what makes Mario so good. So if another developer was making the Mario games, would they sell well? Yeah, for the first one, but then if they sucked, people would give up on it. So... Uh, it's all hypothetical, and Mac. Those are our viewer questions for the week, man. You guys can submit those next week to us on Twitter at Two Nerds in a Pod or at Two Nerds in a Podcast at gmail.com for next week.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now we've we're on to the next section, which involves a little bit of a uh, little bit of involvement here of you who are here for the live show uh, but also definitely worth uh, checking out for those of you who are listening to this on iTunes and that is our kick or kickstart segment so wherever you are if you're on the train if you're at work listening to this wherever you may be when we ask feel free to voice very loudly um, whether we should kick or kickstart it, and why? It's been my experience that if you do this on public transit, people will move away from you. They so you know, um, more legroom. Room you. you get more leg room,
0: mm-hmm. more elbow room.
1: Exactly. That's a that's a life hack for you. <laughs> so uh, what we've got for today on our kick or kickstart segment actually does not come from the usual uh, from the usual Kickstarter, but rather comes from Indiegogo. This is a project called the Retro Engine Sigma. Now, let me start by saying this Retro Engine Sigma is not groundbreaking, it's not especially new, and Mr. Nice Guy, frankly, it's not all that different from the Raspberry Pi that you yourself have made, have put together, however, it does differ in one Uh, in one small way, and I'll come back. And and, and that is in it being a a pretty much already built package. Okay. So what the Retro Engine Sigma is, is it's meant to be a mini emulation game player. It's meant to already be packaged together, good to go. It looks a lot like a Sega Genesis in its size. It's about the same size as the NES Mini. It will be outputting HDMI, so it definitely has that going for it and if you take a quick look at the page it uh, shows all the various things that it's capable of doing the emulation for which is not surprising because emulators are not too terribly difficult to come by we love emulators there's lots of them out there so When it comes to what makes this a little bit different than Mr. Nice Guy just walking down the street and dropping some money on a Raspberry Pi and doing some of the work itself, not really much. But if you're the type of the person who doesn't really want to try and put all of that together, put all the hardware and the software together, these guys have us covered with a pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and already pretty successful... A uh, pretty successful um, Indiegogo project for putting out these little emulation stations. The biggest draws being that it's going to run off of USB uh, USB controllers, so you can plug in whatever type of USB controller you like, and output HDMI, um, and of course using an S- uh, micro SD cards that are plugged in with the various titles and things that you want. And it is uh, it is worth noting that. All that, like every game for the Nintendo Entertainment Center system, takes up you know a a couple of gigabytes at most. Super Nintendo, a four gigabyte, four gigabytes will do it. What have I got in my 64? I've got a, I've, I've got a a ten or an eight gigabyte card in there. So you know, you throw in a reasonably sized um, micro SD card, and you've got everything you could ever want from most any of the systems. Nice. So now, yeah, what are, your, what,
0: do. Dude, I, what are your, I'm always, I feel like I'm always the, the critical one. You know what I mean? Like, like, Oh, this is their problems and, and blah, blah, blah. But here's, here's what I got to say about this. Um, I, I think it's hilarious that the first picture or one of the first pictures is a bunch of people. It's like 10 people. I count 10 people in this room mm-hmm. playing this retro console on a nine inch tube TV <laughs> um, that, <laughs> like that's, that's their branding. That's their vision of, of what you'll do is you'll, you'll say, Hey, everybody come over to my place. And half of us will sit on the couch. Half of us will sit on the floor. We'll use this old TV with an antenna sticking out of it and we'll play some, we'll get, I don't know. Um, I, I think that retro gaming is awesome, but I will say that my raspberry Pi, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's, it's raspberry Pi spelled P I, Um, it's a great product. In fact, for those of you watching live, it came in this little box right here, Raspberry Pi three, um, for 50 bucks, I got the Raspberry Pi, the mini computer It came with a case came with, uh, some other little things. I I think it came with a power supply and it came with obviously the computer. Um, and I just had to do the work. I had to put the software on. I could load up whatever, um, games I wanted to. looks like these guys with this Indiegogo thing, uh, putting 15 games on there and they don't tell you what games they're going to be. Um, so I don't know. Uh, They do, but you gotta you gotta dig in there a bit. Okay. But uh, Got it. but but yeah, it does it does list the 15
1: games that are already going to be on there. But I but the the big draw and and you are absolutely right, Mr. Nice Guy. It's nothing that you couldn't have done yourself. It's nothing that you didn't already do yourself. However, the fact of the matter is that's the same way with the NES Classic. It's nothing that someone could not have done with the, themselves with a Raspberry Pi. It's really straightforward and easy. However, however, there are some people who want it all in one package. And this, they've all they've done all the heavy lifting. You just add the stuff, basically, that you want. And for forty-nine bucks plus, you know, uh, forty-nine bucks plus ship, plus uh, shipping, which in the U.S. is like seven bucks, for a lot of people, it's kind of kind of right there. I mean, that's less expensive than the NES Classic, and it'll still do the HDMI as well, which is what most people wanted. So
0: I Now, I to be think- fair, though, the Raspberry Pi has four USB ports, and it has Wi-Fi built in for, th- for a $35 computer, mini computer. It has Wi-Fi built in. It does the HDMI. It has a space for speakers. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I just, because I have experience yeah. with the Pi, that's where I would lean. But, Mac, what do you think? Kick it or kickstart it, man? What, are you, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think I think kick it um, I actually am probably going to pick one up as a gift to a friend who the the, the problem is Mr. Nice there's some there's there's a friend of mine who I want to give all these things to all these things and sure I could set it up as a, as a pie but I'm sure he'd like screw something up and then I'd have to come fix it for him you know what uh, I mean yeah 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 You know what I mean but something like this oh gosh I'm so sorry man I didn't build it but it's no <laughs> it's no it's no bigger. it's no ne- it's no necessarily no bigger or no better than um, Galvatron, I love you. um then uh, than a Raspberry Pi. But the fact of the matter, packaging it all, getting it ready to go and sending it out like that, getting the software and everything handled before then so that you just add the games that you want i feel kind of a slam dunk they are going to i mean they've well exceeded their goals already and it's only been out for you know a couple of days but uh but this is going to smash some records because it's what people want and these guys they may i you know i they are absolutely brilliant because they are filling this area where everybody's dying to get one of these NES classics and they're like, hey, I've got the next best the next best thing to an NES classic. It's it's gonna sell they're going to sell these things like gangbusters. Basically. So I, I say kick it just because I think it's great. I'm glad to see somebody stepping in to give that sort of a packaged feel to something when there are obviously so many people um, you know, who want that. And maybe there's just this little little part of me that wants to see this do well just to show, just to tell Nintendo, hey guys, this is what happens when you don't produce enough units to satisfy demand. Somebody else is going to step in and bring something. Oh, so sad.
0: That's true, and they're doing it legit, so Nintendo can't go after them for copyrights or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're doing doing it smart. Uh, cool. Now, did we have a second one this week, or is that kind of where we're at? Uh, nope. I
1: just wanted to give the full time to that one right there.
0: Now, at this point in the chat, you guys can either vote to kick it or kickstart it. If you think it should be kickstarted, it doesn't mean you have to donate. It just means it's something you think is worthy of it. I'm going to say kick it. Uh, It's just not my thing, man. I, yeah. I already have the Raspberry Pi. I think it's a great idea, and I hope they succeed. But I, I it's not my thing. Um, Now, a lot of people are saying kickstart it. Fair enough. You guys... You guys like the retro uh, console pre-put together, and that's cool. Totally cool. Well, Mac, should we uh, move
1: on? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Um, Now it comes time for Mr. Nice Guy's favorite segment.
0: Dummy of the Week, 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 Week. That was an echo. That's a legitimate echo. Mm -hmm. Um, Guys, this week's Dummy of the Week is kind of sad, and it's not really deep either. But it is very dumb. Uh, this is on NOLA.com, which I believe is New Orleans, Louisiana.com is what it sounds for. So it's short for. Uh, it says, suspect arrested. I won't read the title. A 21-year-old man was arrested Saturday. This is a little bit old. This is from November 12th. In connection with the slaying of Tokoyo Palmer, 17 years old who was gunned down in February 2015 in Algiers due to what police believe to be a dispute over a video game controller. Kareem Richards, 21, was booked into New Orleans Parish Jail Saturday after turning himself into U.S. Marshals. He faces a charge of second-degree murder. Bond has been set at $250,000. Through witness participation, New Orleans police developed Richards as a suspect in the murder of Palmer, a student at Landry Walker High School. Palmer was found fatally shot in January of 2016. This is very sad. Uh, in the parking lot of Forest Park Apartments in Algiers. He was shot several times on his while on his way to school, police said. So, this is not something, death is not a funny thing. Um, but what I don't get about this story is that the murder took place from a fight over a video game controller
1: now hang on mr nice guy i would just like to be devil's advocate here for a moment on behalf of the of the slayer um was the do you suppose that perhaps perhaps this video game controller could have contained somewhere inside of it a map to buried treasure
0: no no. no. Um, could because it that would be, a very, that would be a very important detail that should have been in this news story. In the police
1: report. Well, they don't want to let everything out. Could the controller perhaps have been made of, say, gold? No. Hmm.
0: Here's what went down, yeah, Mac. Yeah, that's here's, that, here's that what went as down. much as I've got. To Coyo Palmer, this poor young kid who was murdered, was sitting in his house and he was playing video games. And his old friend kareem richards came over and said man that game looks fun yo can i get a turn yeah hold on one minute you can have a turn in just a minute yo can i get a turn now yeah just wait i'm yo i'm on level three just just hold up yo can i get a turn now just wait a minute yo if you don't let me get a turn i'm gonna i'm gonna kill you bruh just let me finish my game next day five bullets in his back That's what I think went down. And this is the dumbest story that I've ever heard because there's no excuse, there's no reason to kill someone over a video game controller. It wasn't over a game that they were playing against each other and the one guy kept beating the other and caused him to rage and go murder him. It was over a video game controller. Over the controller specifically, a dispute over the controller. Maybe they were arguing about which controller was the best, if it's Xbox or if it's PlayStation. Somehow there was a dispute that caused someone to lose their life. And this is terrible. This is ridiculous. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I yeah. don't know what else to say. That's, yeah, that's that's. That's crazy,
1: Mr. Nice Guy. I, I don't know how on earth something would escalate from a video game controller. Um, it has to be it, there has to be something more, although it does make you wonder why video game controller would ever get in there, unless unless somebody who's on the headline writing boards of whichever newspaper has a very vested interest in linking, violence and video, video games.
0: Ga- not to video games, but to video game controllers. Controllers.
1: Well, you know, as long as video game is in the title, I think that's that. But that's that's bonkers, Mr. Nice that's Guy. Nonsense. I don't know where that's you our, find them.
0: That's our dummy of the week. I, I won't make too many jokes about it more than what I've already done because it's a sad thing. Uh, mm. Share your controllers. That's all I'll say.
1: Yep, yep. And uh, So uh, so now we're on to the the last uh, news-ish segment, uh, which happens to be legalese. Legalese where we talk a little bit about some of the lawsuits and some of the legislation that's going on now or in the past that has helped shape um, video games, uh, often with a little bit of the United States bent to it, because that's the one I know best. This one uh, comes to us. Um, this is a, uh, is a story about No Man's Sky. Ooh. Now you may or may not be aware of this, but uh, No Man's Sky- Was terrible was a game that was accused of false advertising. Now, uh, many games, there is a cry of false advertising. For example, I believe Destiny was, uh, was one where people were kind of upset about yeah, that game yeah, and claimed yeah. some false advertising. Yes. I do believe Evolve also had Absolutely. some false advertising claims. Um, and I will just point out, This is kind of what happens when you try to deliver a game and you have uh, ridden the hype train as long as you can. People are going to be upset. But only the very few dedicated will go so far as to make a complaint um, with the Advertising Standards Authority. So the Advertising Standards Authority of the UK has delivered a ruling on the false advertising suit against um, against No Man's Sky. Really? Now, specifically, um, the state or the uh, the in the response um, in the official you know thing, which is kind of dry, but I'll give you the cliff notes. That No Man's Sky, the suit claimed that uh, that yes. Um, that No Man's Sky is a game about exploration and survival in an infinite, procedurally generated universe. Um, And people took issue with that statement in the, in the um, advertisement for No Man's Sky. Additionally, uh, people law- issued some complaints with the Advertising Standards Authority about uh, several of the screenshots and the extended text description of the game with things like, fly smoothly from deep space to planetary surfaces with no loading screens, no limits, uh, trade convoys, be- uh, travel between stars and uh, where factions vie for territory and so on and so forth. Um, now, in the of course that uh, they're they're given a chance to defend themselves, and in it, hello games c- claimed that they said the game contained 18 quintillion planets, each with its own terrain, weather, flora fauna, and was effectively infinite in size or scope. Therefore they can rightly make the claim infinite procedurally generated universe now all of these things uh, aside they went and the advertising's uh, uh the advertising you know authority takes the claims and they uh and they then look at the advertisement and they say okay now would we have made the same assumption based off of what was presented and they found essentially basically no on all cases in all cases so the action was not upheld they said no sure they may be stretching it a little bit in a lot of cases but no no false advertising because it's all pretty pretty similar so that is is where we stand. It was outstanding for, oh gosh, how long did they deliberate on it? They deliberated on it a while, can't find it quite at the moment, but it is now settled. No Man's Sky, though it may have been a disappointment, is not guilty of false advertising.
0: That's what the courts say. I bet every gamer who bought it would disagree. Now, I still haven't bought it, and I probably will when it gets to be $10. (laughs) Uh, But for now, I'm staying away from it.
1: So that's your uh, that's your level $10 for the false advertising.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think it's probably worth 10 bucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll see. They're still working on it. They're still updating it, so you know, maybe it'll turn out to be better. Cool. Well, I think that's our show, isn't it, Maxion? Indeed, that is what we have for today. Now guys, before we go, we always like to talk about what we're watching and what we're playing uh on the video game consoles and on the PC. Um, Mac, do you want to lead us off? Let us know what you're, Let's or do you want me to? What You, you shook your no, head, no you're, no, you're eating, you're eating, my friend, I apologize. No,
1: I would love to. Let me start us off. As to what I've been playing, Mr. Nice Guy, I've been playing a little bit of Secret of Mana. As you know, um, I only recently got my hands on a Super Nintendo, Yes. and um and of course an everdrive for the super nintendo so that i've got the game's library as well so i have actually been trying out these games that uh, that people have said are like the best um, so i've been playing some secret of mana having a great time of that i've also been playing a little bit of left for dead and project zomboid both uh, on the pc Um, and uh, Project Zomboid is a sort of survival sandbox game with zombies, and Left 4 Dead is an FPS, a brilliant FPS with zombies. So I've had zombies on the brain lately, which, uh, you know, well past Halloween. I guess it must be something left over from Halloween for me.
0: Nice, there you go. So that's what you've been playing. Uh, For me, you know, I've been playing, uh, dude, it's just Overwatch. It's just Overwatch and retro games. I feel like that's all that I need to survive. So I've been playing, there's, there's these old arcade games called like 1942, 1941, 1943, blah, blah, blah. And they're, you know, they're World War games. You're in an airplane, it's just a scrolling shooter. Um, I've been playing a lot of those and really, really, really enjoying them. Uh, and then additionally, Season 3 of Overwatch has just started recently. So, you know, I've been trying to get done with my matches so that I can get into that uh, and actually start trying to raise my ranking and, and hopefully rank up quite a bit uh and that's what i've been playing now as far as what i've been watching there's a new show that i added to the arsenal this week mac and i don't know yeah. if this show is up your alley just knowing what i know of you um but i've been watching atlanta which if you guys haven't heard of atlanta it's a great Dan- show daniel glover daniel glover that's right mac proves how hip he is once again uh donald glover actually yeah donald glover yeah Dang. but but it's all good dude you
1: were close i'm still impressed. Uh
0: but I knew
1: it was Childish Gambino. I knew Dude. it in my mind.
0: Mac is, Mac is dropping knowledge right now. He knows about Gambino, y'all. Uh, Gambino just dropped a new album. Additionally, this show is really, really good. Um, it's about three these three guys. One of them's a rapper uh, named Paperboy, Paperboy, trying to get that paperboy. Um, <laughs> and he's trying to be a rapper. Uh, Donald Glover's character is trying to be his manager. I'm only three episodes in. But it's one of those dramas that's, like, not ashamed or shy about being funny, but Mm -hmm. not funny in a corny way. Like, there's really good acting, um, but there's, like, subtle humor here and there, and sometimes not so subtle humor Um, that's, that's clearly intentional. So that's the main thing that I've been watching this week, and I've been loving it. It's great. It's excellent.
1: Nice. Well, I'll have to give that a look. Now, what I've been watching this week, I have been uh, going back through Stargate SG-1 with Mrs. The Back. Nice, um, nice. It is the first television series that we watched together. And it was actually funny because when we first met, when we first started dating, um, I was just barely finishing the, uh, you know, the Stargate SG-1 series. And she watched one of the episodes and was like, this is so stupid. And, uh, and you know, I I, I thought she was going to leave me. <laughs> but no, as it, as it turned out, after we got married, we went back through and watched it from the beginning. She loves the series absolutely loves it i'm glad that she gave both it and me a second chance
0: there you but go. uh
1: but yeah we're going back through stargate sg1 and just just loving it
0: nice uh well guys and girls and boys and kids and dogs and cats thank you for tuning in to episode 11 of two nerds in a pod Real quick, I'm going to read what some of the viewers are watching, and then we're going to log off. Before I do that, shout out to all our social medias. Check us out on Twitter at 2 nerds in a Pod. Please, if you use iTunes, go leave a rating. Uh, the link is on our Twitch channel to our iTunes podcast. I updated it, so leave a rating, leave a review. Tell us what you think, uh, and share it with your friends. Submit your viewer questions for next week to 2 nerds in a Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and our viewers, looks like they've been watching Hannibal the Series, one person has been watching. He says it's very violent and beautiful, and Westworld. Mac, have you seen Westworld yet? I've heard so much about it. I haven't gotten to see it. I'll have to check it out. I heard it's awesome. Someone's playing Last Guardian. I'm going to stay in the chat once we go go off stream because I want to get your thoughts on Last Guardian, Uh, Galvatron. I'm really curious about how that is. Uh, Modern Warfare Remastered, Oxenfree, Firewatch, and Inside. Someone said they're playing – oh, no, they just said Fallout 4 had good pre-release advertising. Uh, he's been playing Pathfinder, which is a tabletop role-playing game, and the Star Wars RPG, fallen in headfirst into role-play, and he loves it. Uh, Ch- Ch- Stargate SG-1 has an incredible swing, someone says, of, in- of drama and cheesy nonsense. Love it so much. Cool. Well, guys, once again, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week, Mac, won't we? I assume we'll be back next week.
1: We will indeed, Tuesday the 13th of December, for some more more Two Nerds in a Pod.
0: Guys, I have no rhyme this week, but enjoy this outro music and uh, stay frosty. That was awkward because the outro music didn't start for like 10 (laughs) seconds. It It had that... Intro, that blank intro, eh? That's right. Boys and girls, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Mr. Nasdash 425, also known as Mom. Mac is here with me. We'll see you next week here at twitch.tv backslash tuners in a pod. Have a good week. Deuce.